Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that raid Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is... Going to do the same thing again year after year? Oh no! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio. This is the CarCast after USC's 33-17 win over the Utah Utes at Rice Eccles. Yes, USC won a game in Salt Lake City at Rice Eccles Stadium against Kyle Whittingham's Utah Utes on a Saturday night. That's right. We're going to talk about it here in this car cast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy. Over on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play. Wherever you may find podcasts, we are there. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Rain of Troy. Our email address is reignoftroy at fancenter.com, and our phone number is 213-373-1-USC-SECOWHATSPRUNSHOW. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. I gave an assignment to Twitter uh, this evening. I said, describe that game in one word. If I said that to you, I said, Alicia, describe this game in one word. What would your one word game review be? Um, that I mean, that would that would be my my one word is um, um just does um? um count as a word. Uh, sure, hmm. it's a filler no, word, but no, it is a word. Let, let's go with this filler word. Hmm. 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 Is that is that a good hmm or a bad hmm? I'm not sure. Hmm. I mean that's fair. That's, uh, so that's... I'll, I'll explain myself. Okay, go 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 for it. Okay, objectively, that was a significantly improved performance from USC, pretty much all around. Um, maybe not at quarterback, but we will we'll talk about Keaton. But across the board, I thought in like USC just played better at every position that that I could think of, particularly the problem the problem positions, the linebackers were the best they've been all season and that made all the difference for the for the defense. The offensive line I thought started very strong. There were some shaky moments uh, as the game went on, but I thought that they generally uh held their own and uh, and and were not the disaster that they were against Arizona. So there was definite improvement. I think that this is a game that USC can look to build on for sure. Why I say hmm is that I I think this is a zero-sum game, and I cannot decide if this was USC looking good or better, or Utah looking not good or worse than the last time they played. You think it's? You think this was zero-sum, really? It, I, 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 I cannot help but feel that this was zero-sum. Now, I think that that. Next week against Colorado, 
will tell us a lot about how I how I feel about this performance. Like I, I don't know if that's where, fair. Hold on, where in the world are we with football? I that, know we're saying the Colorado game is going to be more of a, of the, a gauge of where USC is than the, the Utah game on the road at Rice Eccles. Right. Like, what the hell is but, football in twenty? But here's the thing: is like, okay, so Utah, Cameron Rising was the starter, and he went out injured at quarterback, and they brought in Jake Bentley, who is about as good of a backup as as Utah could have hoped for, to be sh- to be sure. And he comes in, and and he's, uh, you know, he has a, a couple of good moments, but mostly he's not very good. Um, Utah's defense, uh, I I don't. We don't know what they are yet because they're replacing a lot of key guys. Uh, the 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 only evidence I have to suggest that USC that this might be more of a reflection of USC than than Utah is that Utah did return four of their starting offensive linemen from last year, and USC's defensive front pretty much had their way with Utah in the trenches. So I think that bodes very very well for USC's defense in this game. But at the same time. You know, Utah is we we don't know what these quarterbacks are going to be for them. Uh, they don't have a ton of weapons at receiver. Their running backs are 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 not Zach Moss. And I I like I I genuinely I I don't know. I and and this is what sucks is that under different circumstances I would be more than willing to sit here and say, wow, that was a a much improved game for USC. It was really good to see them turn a corner like that. But because of what we've seen over the last couple of years and because of what we saw in those first two games, I'm hesitant to call this a corner turning. And I'm I'm more inclined to sort of sit back and wonder, is this what was this about Utah? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I I agree in a lot of senses. I think that. Utah was very unimpressive tonight. Yeah, you agree with that? Yeah, and I think maybe that's why, maybe that's why I feel the way I do because I didn't feel like Utah was a good team. Like just yeah. the, the the eye test. Now the problem, the reason this is kind of zero sum is that sometimes the eye test doesn't work because the other team makes you look bad. Maybe Utah's quarterbacks didn't look that good because they had USC's pass rush in their face the whole time, and and like and that's where. I, I don't want to I don't want to let some of the negativity that we've been feeling over the first couple of weeks to cloud what was a really promising performance and a really bright performance from a lot of individuals uh, for USC. I think the 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 other thing that sort of clouds it a little bit is that USC's offense still doesn't look like it's been fully unlocked, and that is definitely a concern. Um, Keaton Slovis is getting the job done, but it still doesn't look like he's reached the potential that we we know he has and so like on one hand the problems are still the same on the other hand you know there's so much room for usc to grow still that this is the performance that they could that they could uh build on for sure i guess it just depends on at this at this stage is anybody a a glass half full kind of person (laughs) watching usc at this stage like i don't know I, i i feel very very torn because at my heart, I am an optimist. At my heart, I am the person who buys in, like, this is the turnaround game. But I've been beaten down so much that, like, I have this, like, I'm skittish about trusting this USC team, which is why I picked Utah to win the game in the first place before the game. 
And that was really the death knell because, of course, USC was going to come out and, and comfortably beat Utah after you and I both predicted a USC loss. But, like, I'm still feeling the remnants of don't trust this team. Like, just don't yeah. do it. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't. Um, to, to me, this was a game where there was a million different factors. I think Utah was not impressive at all. They looked rusty on offense. I mean, I, I think SC's defense was very good for the most part. Yeah. Um, there's one or, one or two drives that are just like, where, where'd the good defense go? But right. but other than that, I thought that that was one of the better defensive performances we've seen in the last year, maybe two. Yeah, I mean, Utah had two 75-yard drives. Um, apart from that, they didn't really do much. Um you look at the yardage and Utah gained, you know, well over 300 yards. SC gained over 300 yards. The yardage discrepancy was not huge. Part of that was field position. Uh, SC's average field position in this game was their their own 38-yard line. You compare that to Utah's, which is their own 27. That's a much different starting point. But for me, this game has a bunch of different factors. On one hand, SC was better in the red zone, 5 of 6. Uh, the one miss in terms of the, that they didn't score was the interception, which was right after a Vivai Malapai touchdown run uh, that neg- that was negated by a holding penalty. So, like, well, if he didn't hold right there, that, that would be, you know, seven points on the board, followed by the interception, huge swing of momentum there. But on the other hand, SC gets five turnovers from Utah. Five. Some of them they were forced. Some of them surely not, because I think I thought Utah played very sloppily, especially on offense. I thought, I thought they greased up that ball though, because everybody was dropping. Yeah, it. I mean, both both offenses yeah. were sloppy with, with the football, one hundred percent. And you you look at it, SC gets five turnovers. They only score thirteen points off of those turnovers. SC turned the ball over twice. Utah got seven points off of turnovers. Yeah. Like it, and those seven points were a scoop and score. Yeah, uh, a defensive TD. SC did not get a defensive TD. They nearly set themselves up for one, in, in that they had a uh, a touchdown drive that was all of four plays and uh, four yards, two plays, four yards. When they recovered uh, the the fumble on the play that Cameron Rising left the game on, mm-hmm. but you know you look at it, SC wins this game thirty three seventeen. Why do they win the game thirty three seventeen? Because they, more often than not, got points on their drives. The problem is, they got field goals. And field goals are going to beat Utah, a Utah offense um, that, I again, did not look good. It's their week one. Uh, they did have to go to the backup quarterback and Jake Bentley, but he's someone with loads of experience. Someone most people, I feel like, thought was going to win the battle. I thought he was going to win the battle, yeah. Yeah, and so... It's not like he's a true backup backup, but he is the backup, right? Um, someone who wasn't preparing to to be the starter in this game. And the 33 points is going to win this game because of that. But what if Utah had an offense that was formidable? What if SC didn't control the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball, right? You look at it, SC left 19 points on the board again. Four times they had to settle for a field goal. Mm-hmm. Every time you settle for a field goal, those are four points you're leaving on the board. Obviously, you take the, the the field goal over, 
you know, a, a turnover or over a turnover on downs, 100%. You take the field goal over that. But you're still leaving four points on the board by not getting into the end zone. It's another week in which SC doesn't score in the third quarter. Three straight games, on the bounce, no TDs in the third quarter. Well, All of them. That's They've had a, several opportunities to score. I go, well, can we talk for a second about the third third quarter thing, though? Because this got brought up during the game, and I vividly remember in 2017 doing research into... And we talked about the, the scoreless third the quarters. Third, the scoreless third quarters. There was a long stretch this where USC couldn't... So. Well, but it's, In the sense that it's worse because it's more agonizing that they're getting inside... Right, you know, you know the the red zone repeatedly, and they're not scoring. But the point I feel is, like that in this 2017, they just didn't get, they didn't do anything in those third quarters. Right, but I I think that's the the issue is that this, for for four years now, USC has not been a team that dominates the third quarter, which is why right. USC is not a team that pulls away, that puts games away from teams. Yeah, right. Be- yeah. because you, you look at it and they left they left 19 points in the board. Wait a minute, my math wrong. Uh, it's 23 points they left on the board. They got four field goals, four points left on the board per field goal is 16. The uh, interception is seven. Yeah. 23 points. SC wins this game 33-17. They could have won it by dropping a 50 burger on Utah. Well, and that's and, and and having completely no doubt. And I don't feel like you're changing that much in the game just to finish off your drive, which is the frustrating part about this team. Which is why USC never looks impressive. Right. But if if they if they got those big point totals, it would change a lot of the narrative around USC. But they don't. And Absolutely. then and then the other problem here is that, and I think we talked about this before the game, that this was a game that was kind of a crapshoot for USC because either they were going to lose, or they were going to beat Utah, and it was going to feel like like we just talked about the to start the show. Like, well, this is a Utah team that's. Law, you know, ranked 130th in returning production and had their first two weeks canceled and this is their first week, blah, 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 blah. All those, all those reasons. So, like, this game was set up. If if Utah, if we thought Utah had a good defense, if we knew Utah had a good defense, we might look at 33 points and say, you know what, that's 33 points on a good defense. Right. But, if, they, if they had Lucky Fotu and John Penasini and right. Bradley and I and Jalen Drew, but what all if, those guys. What if Utah goes forward for the rest of the season and holds everybody to, you know, sure. uh, under 20 points? Then you and change. And it is at Rice Eccles, that elevation, right. all that stuff. Well, look, sure. and, and this is another thing I wanted to bring up because, I, I, again, I don't want to be like the super negative person. So I'm going to bring this up because it's something that popped into my head. The The big, big, big improvement for USC in this game was that even if Utah was sluggish because this was their first game, even if this was Utah replacing all of their all of their players and and having a a rough start to their season uh, with COVID and with everything else, even if that was all the case, USC has gone to Rice Eccles or has gone to the state of Utah and played poorly. USC has traveled wherever they've traveled and played poorly enough right. to lose regardless of the opposition they face. So uh, that was another area of improvement where even if USC was kind of shaky in this game, they weren't so shaky that they uh, couldn't, you know, ultimately get a comfortable win. Yeah, which is why I think that on paper, you look at it, SC wins this game by 16 points on the road at Rice-Eccles against the two-time defending division champs, uh, a place where they haven't won since 2012. 
They haven't won on a Saturday since 1917. Uh, they haven't won in the state of Utah on a Saturday since 2004. Like, all these things, right? Um, mind you, obviously, plenty of those stats are, are, are wonky for yeah, sure. A but, little juiced. But, but the point is that those these players were, were there at Utah, so many of them, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them were still on the team back in 2016 uh, that lost with Sam Darnold. These guys know what it's like to, to play against Utah. They know what it's like to beat Utah, but they see what Utah does. They see what Utah gets out of their schedule. They see what Utah gets out of their record. And they force five turnovers, never allowing a point in the second half. Uh, this game never felt like it was in doubt, really, since the second quarter. SC wins as comfortably as they could have, blah, blah, blah. And the problem here is that because of week one and because of week two, but more importantly, because of last season and, and because, season of, before. Be, because of 2018 and because of 2017 and because, because of swaths of 2016, big parts of 2015, you cannot sit here and really, you know, if you're a diehard SC fan, you can't sit here and be happy with this this win and completely stoked about it. And that's a, that's sad, isn't it? Like, it's really sad. Like, th- this should be one of those games where you look at it and go, you know what, you, you, you went into Rice Eccles, a place that you struggle, and you got a big win. You got a big win that basically, you know, solidifies your strong stranglehold over the, everyone else in the Pac-12 South, puts you one huge step forward uh, in the division, especially on a day that UCLA loses, Colorado doesn't play, Arizona loses, ASU doesn't play, nobody in the South won a game. Mm-hmm. Like, this was the ideal Saturday for SC. And yet, you sit here and go, well, they did what they should have done, uh, they, and but they could have done more. And the only reason you're sitting here and saying they could have done more is because so many times over and over and over again, they haven't done enough to do more. They did enough to get this win. They did enough to get a 16-point win. And that's a huge step forward. They covered uh, the spread. They covered the spread. They 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 did what they should have done. And for this team, that's a huge first step. So don't get me wrong about any of that. Yeah, and that's and that's why I, I'm trying to sort of couch my weirdness about this game with with like a, a genuine expression of that was a relatively good performance for USC. I, I would even say it was a good performance for USC with one or two you know little things that you still need to clean up. But it, it wasn't the kind of performance that that uh, makes you worry about USC the way that right. the first, the, you know, the that week one or week two did. At, at the same point, though, I, I look at this game, and by the way, my my one word description of this game is boring. I thought it was boring. It was weird, like it, it for, was... for a game with as many turnovers as it had. Right. It was weirdly non-eventful. Um, except for the time I, that the cameras you... went out, and that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you watched this as a neutral observer, you would have changed the channel at some point very yeah, quickly. Or you would have been like the folks on uh, on Friday night who were watching the Air Force game and basically like couldn't understand why they sat through that second half. Uh, sure. Because it was so bad. Like, And, and this wasn't like a bad game. And, and that's just... the thing. That's the weird part about this game is that I, I don't think this is a bad game for SC. And it seems weird to sit here. And say that a 16-point win over Utah on the road 
is a game that you can't feel excited about. Well, that but, we predicted a loss too. Like right. that's so that's that's the frustrating part because I I feel like an absolute hypocrite. Well, that's well, when I'm sitting here and saying that you need to enjoy uh, enjoy the little things about college football, but this was just one of those games that was just boring, and but, that's not but, necessarily a knock on SC. That's just how the game played out for both teams. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. No, it was it was kind of it was weird. And I don't know if it was just the late night. I don't know if it was some sluggishness from from Utah. I don't know if it was the normal road sluggishness from from USC, although I think that wasn't as much of a factor as it uh, as it was. But, you know, there were a lot of there were a lot of good plays that the Trojans made. There weren't any like jaw dropping. Oh, my gosh. How did he do that kind of things? But it was, you know, consistent good plays from players who I think that um, can be very excited that they've put in three weeks in a row of that kind of performance, uh, like like the defensive front, and then guys who really made a, a vast improvement, like the linebackers did. So and the offensive line uh, as well. So you know, like I think that it was an understated performance in a lot of ways. The, uh, I think sure. on the broadcast they talked about how they didn't have any R- Randy Moss, uh, you know, like you got mossed moments in the game, and that's true. Like there weren't any big. What, what's, what's the highlight? What of was the hi- The highlight of the game was Drake Jackson catching the over. A ball that screen. was thrown right to him. Yeah, or. <laughs> Marlon Tupelo to forcing the fumble. Is it is it Bentley's scramble? I mean, it, does, it was like, it was the, I, from from both sides. There was not the, a highlight. The scoop and score the was and probably score the high. The, if you're putting together a highlight package on ESPN, I think the scoop and score is the only is the only one you look at and go like that's got to be in there. Um, but that, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's like, not to, to to deride the game, but like right, you said, it was uh, a little bit understated. It was a little bit. It was extremely understated. And and in you, in a few years, we won't remember much about this game. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's one of those games where uh, I feel like not a lot happened, but a whole bunch happened. There were five turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were plenty of drives in which SC settled for field goals. There was, And maybe that's why you don't have all the highlights, because there weren't that many touchdowns in the game. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that big but, that big Keenan Kristen run was was nice. Uh, that's right, forty seven t- yards. The tight ends got involved. Well, the Eric tight end Kromenhoek. got involved. Aaron Kron- Eric Cromanhoek had a touchdown. Cromanhoek for Mackie campaign he's, is on. He's taken off, man. My my boy, Eric Cromanhoek. Three who, catches. Three catches look good. I mean, okay, can I go on my little Eric Cromanhoek soapbox go for, for a it. second? Um, so. I, as far as like tight ends is receiving targets, I know everyone's been infatuated with the idea of Josh Follow, and you, you know, Jude Wolf looks like somebody who might develop into into somebody that USC can rely on. Drake Drake London has sort of taken over the, you know, essentially he's the tight end situation. But like the way that USC used Eric Cromanhoek in this game was exactly what I would have liked to have seen for many years past uh because i remember when eric i think it when when he was a freshman i remember watching him in practice going like you know the the word on him coming out of high school was he's just a blocking guy and i was like no the dude can catch the ball like he's not like he's not like a special athlete who's going to go out and make the right. crazy highlight real play but like he'll catch the ball if you throw it to him he, so he like, like reynolds for tonight yeah just no nonsense he's a he's a pro 
He's just going to go out there and and you you can find him and and defenses have so much else to worry about on uh, with with USC's offense that you'd imagine he'd be available a little bit more often and in this game this is exactly what like I imagine this is how you can use him and you saw a little bit of it last week with the touchdown that they threw to him against Arizona I'm really glad they went back to that well and I hope they continue to go back to that well because I think that is a way that this offense can sort of get out of some of the the group the the uh, groove slumps, anti grooves that they get into sometimes, but I don't know. I like to see it. Ruts, ruts, that ruts. Thank you. The some of the ruts that USC gets into. Yes, it's it's midnight. I uh, I <laughs> I have not had enough caffeine to. We we're, were going to start the pot, and you're like, can we just start already? I am already I'm dying. Free. Yeah. Uh, it was. It's been a long day. This is the problem with like games that start at seven thirty p.m. Is that uh, it's already been a long day for me. Like there's already been a lot going on. I I never would have thought I would say this, but I I would much prefer the nine <laughs> the nine a.m. kickoff to oh, this. Yeah, come on. <laughs> come, no, no. I know. No. I know. But like, no. yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Alicia's going to caffeinate, and we're going to wrap this thing up uh, with more discussion. Uh, probably a little bit focused on what SD did compared to last week, the ups and downs. I want to talk about this USC offense a little bit more, uh, and Keaton Slovis. You know, uh, since we cannot talk about Keaton Slovis's arm and his throwing ability after this week, we have to get it all in in this carcass. Yeah, definitely not a storyline Never going to talk about it ever again. No, you know, definitely. After this week, it is done. So have no reason to talk about it ever. None. Zilch. That's right. So let's get to talking about that. All right, Alicia. I want to talk about this offense um, and how they compared to last week um, and the week before and last season. Um, I said that. This is one of those games where on paper it looks really it looks really good for USC. You win by 16 points on the road, all those things, those are reasons to f- to feel good about it. We talk about the defensive performance. Up front they look great. Nick Nick Figueroa. Dude, he was in the backfield immediately on every single down it felt like. Mm-hmm. Great, 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 great outing for him. Kai Malga was all over the place. Randall Goforth made his presence known. Many times, uh, this was really the best defensive performance uh, maybe since Cal last year, again, against the backup quarterback after uh, Chase Garbers leads that game. But USC's defense looked good, for sure. Um, and yet, you look at it on offense, and I think on offense is where SC scores the most points they have all season. Sorry, no, 34 last week. Yeah. Yeah, those so. are 33. One fewer than last week. And it felt like eight fewer if not 48 fewer than last week, uh, based on SC's inability to consistently get in a groove. Um, the, the second quarter, uh, they score four times. Uh, one of those is on a four-yard touchdown drive, and there's a 75-yard drive and a 40-yard drive. Uh, there was the interception uh, that was thrown in there as well, the, the lone red zone missed opportunity. But so much of this came down to Poor blocking up front. Um, they could not run the ball in this game. Marquis Step was out. Stephen Carr was 
I he, what he, are we calling that? Injured, apparently, but vaguely. Uh, but like, I want to push back on the idea that they couldn't run the ball in this game because, and this is what I just I I'm having a hard time squaring what I'm seeing on the stat sheet with what I experienced watching the game. Okay. I thought Vivai Malapai I ran the ball really well, yeah, and I thought three point one yards per well, carry. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Where did how did it end up with three point one yards per carry when he to me ran the ball well for most of the game? Uh, the only thing I can think of is there the, were there were a couple of those la- botched draw plays. Well, I want to say one was to Keenan Kristen. Though. One was to Keenan Kristen, uh, but the last drive of the first half was all handoffs to Vi that just didn't that just got stuffed. And then they just gave him the ball a bunch of times at the end of the game, and he wasn't getting a lot of yards. So, like, part of me thinks that that just got his his average got tanked in in the at the end of the game. Let's see, we've got fourth quarter. He was vie for three, three vie for one, vie for one, two, negative two, no gain, and negative one. So the fourth quarter vie was not not good. Uh, but they well, I don't think Vi was not good. I it think was the that, blocking. It was the blocking. That Utah, sure. Utah knew that USC was running out the clock, right, and correct. so that so the, they weren't running. But that the point was not to gain yards necessarily. The point is always to gain yards. But the important thing was staying in bounds, and I thought that uh, that Vi did a very good job of that uh, as a as a rusher and as a pass catcher. Yeah, and you look at the the first quarter uh, gains of nine, four, seven, and eight. Okay, it's a good average. You, you absolutely take that. But even in the second quarter, 0, 2, 2, 14, 2, 1, 1. And I don't think this is about Vi. I think it's about the blocking up front. Well, I thought the, the offensive line had another poor performance. Well, I th- uh, they, they, they started very strong. They started very well in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, they, they it was a steep drop-off when it dropped they were, off. Well, there was this weird combination of the pass pro came and went. The yeah. run blocking surely came and went. Um, and the pass pro had this weird mix when we talk about Keaton Slovis, and let's transition to talking about Keaton Slovis right now. We know the arm thing. We're not talking about it after after today, right? Um, that was clearly a focal point. Every single throw, you kind of like had to think about it. And well, okay. why? Because SC made such a big deal about being awkward about it, right? Are we? Are we? So here's a thought. Because I watched this game and I thought that Slovis looked off. But not in the same exact ways he did against ASU or Arizona. Where no, it was a different. It was a different kind. It was of a different kind of off. Where it wasn't like the ball was wobbling every which way. I mean, it was a little wobbly. So I, got, but. I got a theory. I think that the wobbly talk was so prevalent, and you know, Helton goes all in with the "you're never going to talk about it ever again" kind of thing, and saying that he threw the ball on Monday, the best he's ever seen him, and all this kind of stuff. I think, and this is completely speculation, so just this crazy Michael talking, right? Mm-hmm. Did that put doubt in Keaton Slovis's head? Maybe not doubt, but, like, I wonder if there's a serious confidence issue because it wasn't always the pass protection that lacked. A lot of times, Keaton Slovis just stayed in the pocket for way too long. And missed uh, open, and not not missed as far as like throwing either, the ball, but like missed, like didn't even attempt to throw the ball yes, to open receivers. Right, and you know Utah dropped dropped seven eight guys all the time. You know you know how the recipe is on defense, but even when SC had receivers open, he was checking down, or he was just holding it and eating it, and he wasn't making that throw. 
And like, I have to wonder, was Until he not the- making the throw out of the thought, well, maybe it'll be wobbly? Well, like, but then, but- like, is it is it the self fulfilling prophecy at that point? But then in the second half, he starts throwing into triple coverage every play, and you're right. like, what the heck is going on, Keaton? But, but early on in the second half, the, they got the plays out much quicker, yeah. and all of a sudden there was more success on that offense. That mm-hmm. first drive of the third quarter, I thought was great. Yeah, they got the ball out quick. You saw some screens to the edge. You finally got to see Brew McCoy and Amon Ross St. Brown have the ball, uh, Tyler Vaughn's have the ball in their hands with them to do something with it with their legs. Yeah. Something we haven't seen all year. Right. All year. Three games. Well, uh, uh, but it's it's half of the I mean half of the season's gone. So yes, it's been spent all year. <laughs> right. But but no, I, I agree. It's it, it was weird because it comes and goes for him. So. It, my my theory after the Arizona game was that he was being disrupted by the by the the pass rush, and that might still be on the table, but it clearly wasn't as big of an issue or as as fervent an issue against uh, Utah as it was against Arizona to me because the pass blocking, even though it broke down a few times, it, it wasn't disastrous. So I'd, maybe on rewatch, I'll I'll change my mind about that, but. I thought that, yeah, it looked like Keaton might have been in his own head a little bit. And that is definitely something that, that USC needs to to worry about. But I also, so I think I'm starting to think also that there are three big factors here. And it's not any one of them. It's all of them together. The first factor is I think that the, the Keaton is being disrupted by the pass rush or by the by the internal clock that he has running, uh, the internal internal like pressure clock that maybe is running a tick too fast, um, because of what he's been playing in front of for his whole career so far. Number two, I think there, his arm does look like it's not as sharp, lively. Yeah, and I and I and I just you can't help but think back to that elbow injury that he had in the Holiday Bowl. And that there might be some lingering effects there that are impacting him mechanically. So it's particularly important for him to be on top of his mechanics because if he lo- he doesn't have anything to sort of fall back on because the the arm is clearly not as strong as it as it was in the past. So that's number two. And the number three is I think we're watching every pass too closely. I don't think I've ever watched a pass for what it looked like. How can you not, though, as when, opposed, when, if Clayton's going to come out here and say that you're never going to see no, this no, ever again? I'm, not, like, saying how can we're, we not, I'm right? not saying we're wrong, too. I'm just saying that we are, I think, at a nitpicky stage almost. We're like, sure. I'm, I'm not just watching right. the outcome of where the pass going. Now I'm watching, like, did it get, like, how crisp was it? Because, like, that Tyler Vaughn's touchdown, it's it gets exactly where it needs to go, but it's not a pretty-looking pass. Like, so then do we... Are we judging that too harshly, even though it, it got where it needed to go? Like no, it, it, those kinds of yeah, things, I think we can. Nitpicky. Yeah, we can be a little bit nitpicky, but I think it's a combination of all three. I think we're we're examining them every single pass a little bit too closely, and probably uh, seeing mechanical uh, errors where that's just normal. I do think there are instances where his mechanics or his arm or whatever it is that's going on with his motion looks wrong for sure because he's inaccurate in a way that we definitely didn't see at any point last year and the other thing is i think his inaccuracy is occasionally forced by 
the way he has to rush because who knows what the pass rush is going to look like on on any given play. So I think there's a lot of factors that are going into why Keaton looks the way that he does. My biggest concern would be the mental side of of how, like you said, the lack of confidence that he seems to show occasionally and how that impacts the offense. Yeah, it absolutely impacts the offense. I think that's the, the hardest thing to fix. On a, on a night where you're struggling to run consistently, where your leading rusher is getting 0, 2, 2, 14, 2, 2, 1, 1 yards uh, in the second quarter on all of the carries, right? Like, that isn't reliable. And if it was more reliable, uh, it'd be easier to, you know, uh, go away from Keaton at times and, and help things out. But the run game isn't reliable enough to do that right now. Uh, at least it wasn't on Saturday against Utah. Um, whether that changes with Step or Carr in there, I don't necessarily think so. I, I think a lot of it is just the blocking in general uh, and the lack of creativity and how everything is being put together. But yeah, it feels like once he gets out of a rhythm, it's hard to get him back in it. But yet we say those kind of things and they put together a 75-yard drive where everything clicks and you're like, how did this look so easy? That that 75-yard drive in which they cap it off with the touchdown pass to Tyler Vaughn's, it looked way too easy. Yeah, well, because that's what USC can do when the weapons that USC has. I mean, Tyler Vaughn's, they were... They they left him wide open on uh, and credit to Slovis on the one where they sent the corner blitz because Slovis got the ball out to him quickly and you know again it wasn't a particularly pretty pass but Vaughn's made the catch and then got a lot of got a bunch of yak yards and that made a huge difference for USC on that drive so there were a couple you know Amon Ross St Brown had a had a a nice uh, catch and and run and uh, you you had those moments but that's these are the athletes that USC has and this is what makes USC's offense so formidable even when they're not in a groove. Now, the question, I guess, that comes up now is, what will it take to get USC in a groove? And is this just the process of settling into to the season? Because we didn't see the offense really take off until the second half of last season. Is that just the nature of... of uh, of what this will look like. I don't, again, and this is where like next and, and, week against Colorado is going to say a lot about yeah, which, and, which way that goes. And to be fair, uh, the offense excelled after the book was already out on us. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. So may, maybe there is a way to come back around this. Um, I don't know. Uh, and one of those games is against Cal, uh, a team that we would have expected to cover this defense pretty well or this offense pretty well. So I don't know. This this game is just so weird to look at in so many different ways. Um, I, I don't feel more confident about this USC offense. I feel a little bit less confident. I feel more confident about USC's defense. I feel more confidence about the, the team in general to be able to take advantage of enough opportunities to not let the game slip through their their hands. At the same point... This could have been a blowout dominating win against a team where we really look at it and say, yeah, Utah was just not good. If SC uh, scores nothing but touchdowns in the second half instead of field goals, it's 45-17. And you look at it and you think, yeah, SC got all they could out of that game. But Even if if it wasn't 100% that they could have got out of it, you'd think it was just by 
finishing off those drives in the second half. But uh, So I guess my question is, is this USC graduating from getting nothing out of those red zone trips to getting field goals out of those red zone trips to getting touchdowns sure. out of those red zone trips? Or is this USC just, you know, still having the same problems in the red zone? And the difference is just that they have a, a kicker who they know now can make a kick. I, I think the problem goes back to what you said about Utah's defense. If this was the Utah defense of last year, we would be lauding this offensive performance. Yeah, or or, or at least we'd we'd say, you know what, that, that that's a tough defense to put those tough yeah, points we, up. Everything would have a caveat like that, yeah. right? And yeah. right now we don't we cannot say that about Utah's defense. And we're gonna learn about what Utah is going forward. Uh, at least as much as we can in a shortened season, shortened COVID season, right? So, I don't know, man. I I, I, don't, I don't know. It was a weird game. We don't know what you guys think uh, about this game. The, the one-word reviews were uh, pretty pessimistic. Uh, lots of boring snooze fests. Uh, a lot of people upset, not happy, uh, saying that it looked like another Clay Helton game. Again, saying these in a lot of one-words or combining words to make one uh, and what have you but yeah what else can you say i mean one one thing i do want to say is is that i uh, i think that it's clear that usc has quite a few quite good players and i don't want them to get lost just figuring this out no i mean like so i was very relieved because you know we've seen players have one good game and then, or two good games, and then they sort of just fall off a cliff. I mean, it was a great relief to me to see Marlon Tupelotu and and Nick Figueroa, and Tuli Tupelotu, and and the guys, and and Hunter Eccles and Drake Jackson, and all of them turn up for a third week in a row and all look very exceptional. Um, it it was it's nice to see that front continue to show that this isn't just. A one-off. They are actually playing very well, and I want to credit Vic Soto for getting what he's getting out of that unit because genuinely, I think that the the defensive line is is the best unit on the team right now, and uh, I think they're they're doing a hell of a job. And then on top of that, you know, Todd Orlando, we we talked last week about how I'm willing to extend to Todd Orlando a benefit of the doubt that I'm not willing to extend to. Clay Hilton or, or Graham Harrell or, or USC's offense, just because he is new to this, new to this to the uh, scene, he is trying to integrate his defense without spring camp, without a, a normal fall camp, all of those kinds of things. So I was gonna, you know, withhold some judgment on him, and I think it uh, it bodes very well for for the future with Todd Orlando that the linebackers were able to take such a positive turn this week after two really not good uh, performances over the last couple of weeks. And uh, it was really encouraging to see Kanai Malga step up and, and be a starter and, and look quite good, actually. It was, it was, I had been watching some other college football games earlier in the day. And one of the things that I, that I took note of was how often you see guys making tackles at the line of scrimmage and how that's not something you ever see USC do, but then turn up on, you know, tonight and, and, Kanai Malga's right there at the line of scrimmage, and, and Raylan Goforth is having those moments. Are, did they have a perfect performance? No. I thought there were a couple times where they weren't where they needed to be or they missed a tackle or whatever. Those are the kinds of things you work through, but the drastic improvement 
the reason this defensive performance looked as good as it was as it did was because I'm convinced is because the linebackers played their role in it where they were not playing their role last time. Um, yeah. Isaiah Polamau and, and Talano Hufanga both out making their making plays. Um, Elijah Griffin looked good. Elijah Griffin had a couple. Well, Elijah Griffin had a couple passes that he really should have picked off. So maybe maybe, maybe work on that. But Chris uh, Steele got a pick at the yeah, end. Yeah, Chris Steele got a pick at the end. So I thought that you know the the defense is looking like more and more like it's coming together, and that's that's very very encouraging. And then on, on offense, uh, Brew McCoy, I, I I put him in the over under for this week because I thought that he's going to start to emerge as a bigger target for USC, and that came to pass in this game. It was very nice to see him get the targets that he got and make the plays that he made. So those are you know those are very exciting things. And then you have you know Keenan Kristen who. He's as fast as we remember him. He's a guy that, that, you know, I think as he gets more and more opportunities, we're going to see him really take off because that you can't teach that speed. That speed is ridiculous. So uh, there is a lot to be excited about with this team if you look at the individual players. And I think that we spend a lot of time talking about the big picture stuff and sometimes we gloss over, like, no, Marlon Tupelotu is like a beast, an utter beast. And... And, you know, some of the other guys that USC has on this team are actually playing very well. And those are are positive signs for if this is a turning of the corner moment, then those guys will have even more opportunities to shine. Yeah, for sure. I think that's that's all very well said. Um, By the way, I I crunched some numbers again. Uh, Kenny Christian had a 47-yard run. 47 yards. It was a beauty, too, because it was, well, okay, so the delayed handoffs didn't work on any other play except that one, but the delayed handoff uh, to Keenan Kristen was, like, gorgeous. Everything about it he was... He never even hit top speed, either. No, I mean... He, it, he was doing that, like, Adoree Jackson coast thing, yeah, where he just glide. But he made everybody else look like they were running on sand. Yes. Um, great run from him. Uh, and I know you can't do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. If you take that run away, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave the podcast with this uh, worrying thing about USC's run game. And I know there was no step, there was no car. Are you taking the sack yardage away too, though? No, because... I'll do both. I'll do okay. both. I, I've, I've run both numbers. So if you take the 47 yards away, uh, SC ran the ball for 1.53333 yards per carry, 47 46 yards on 30 carries. See and again, I, I like I'm gonna I'm gonna pay close attention because uh, on the rewatch because I genuinely don't think that the run game was that horrendous this this week. Particularly, they were much better in short yardage situations. They weren't getting absolutely de- demolished in those short yardage situations. So I wonder if this is a a number that is being heavily influenced by runs that were doomed to fail to begin with. That's still part of the running game, though. Yes, you know? yeah, absolutely. Like, but if you're an air raid offense and you're running the ball to run out the clock in the fourth quarter, like... No, I, I get that. But, but again, like, Levi Malpaya had, like, six carries in the second quarter that gained no more than two yards. Well, one of those was at the goal line uh, okay. for a touchdown. So, and one I, of the, I get he's no, your guy, one of, but No, no, like, no. One of those was at the goal line for a touchdown, and the one before it was... Uh, avoiding a four-yard loss by getting zero yards, <laughs> but like, sure, but 
the the point is that this offense is not reliable here's, on the was okay, not reliable on the ground. Here's what here's here's what I'll push back on. I think Clay Helton is wrong to put any stake in rushing numbers. I think USC should own that they're an air raid team, and it doesn't matter what running totals that they get, so long as the runs that they have out there are are efficient. Are efficient. And what successful. and what we saw in the first quarter, I thought was very efficient running because they were running into, they were running at the zone, and that is what I like. We've watched some, you know, some games that we've watched this year where the the broadcasters get obsessed with the idea of USC having to establish the run. I firmly am in the camp that no, they should pass to set up the run, and that the 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 run should be something that they take advantage of a defense if they're sitting back. If they're not right. sitting back, you don't run the ball. That's my opinion. But yeah, you know. I I agree. Uh, still, um. I took out the numbers, the, the sack-adjusted yards, if you take away Keenan Christian's 47 yards uh, on that one run. 67 yards on 25 carries, apart from the 47-yard run. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't think that's Not the, good enough. But that's not the... Okay, so I know that those are the numbers that we could focus on, and I'm not doing this because of I. I would do this if this were car or step two. I My, my point is... The the reason USC's offense wasn't good tonight was not because of the running game. USC's offense wasn't good tonight because Keaton Slovis was missing his targets too often. Like that's the the simple truth of it. Right. So, and, and if if he if he found his targets more, then there'd be more opportunities in the run game because maybe Utah has to defend differently. All yeah. the, all of that plays a role. So Absolutely. Like, I don't think I'm it matters it what USC did on the ground is what I'm saying. Like what matters to me is that the quarterback. Okay. was not at his best, and that's why the offense was not at, at its best. But maybe when your quarterback's not at your best, you should be able to run better than 2.6 well, y- yards per Maybe carry. you should have a better offensive line. Like That's a much deeper question well, that yes. I think is... I agree. May, but maybe you also have to recognize you don't have a good run-blocking offensive well, line. Well, then so don't maybe, run the ball 25 well, times. But that's, that's what I'm saying, is that I, th- is that I think that they make a mistake when they but, act but like they have ex- to establish the run. The best running I, that they did I, was when it wasn't expected. When I, they I run agree. when it's expected. So don't run the ball 25 times. Yes, that's, that's what I'm saying. saying. But when, you, when you're running the ball in the end of the game to, to close out the game, it's going to, you sure. know, impact those numbers. But yes, again, but it wasn't just the... Okay, whatever. I, I'm giving I up. just think the running game was the least important thing about this whole game, okay. so I don't know why we spent so much time talking about it. I, I, when we get emails upset about the run game, I'm just... I mean, if you're upset about the run game, you should spend way more time watching Keaton Slovis in this game. All right. Uh, that'll wrap up the episode. Thanks for listening, as always. Uh, now is your time to step up Send us an email. Send us your thoughts on the Rana Troy Raveline, 213-373-1872. Ask us a question. Tell us what you thought about USC's win over the Utes. Uh, tell us what you thought about the podcast, about the cardcast. What do you think about the thoughts? What, what did we say here that you agreed with? What did we say that you disagreed with? What do you wish we talked about? What do you wish we didn't talk about? All those things. Let us know. It is your show. Take the thing over. I want to hear from you, Poway. I want to hear from you, Redondo Beach. Mission Beach. Huntington Beach. 
Salt Lake City Beach. This is your show. Okay, I'm just going to shut up. I'm just going to let you do your thing, man. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll be back next time. See ya. See ya. See ya.